Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? Maybe one that's inspiring, relatable, and just plain fun to listen to? Then check out Curated Advice on Better Living. That's Curated Advice on Better Living. So what exactly is this podcast about? Well, it's hosted by millennial Khaled Sultan and his quest to discover different cultures, perspectives, and philosophies. There's nothing scripted in this show. No conversation is the same. The only recurring question they have is, what's your advice on how to live a better life? I think we can all find a way to live a better life. And this podcast, with listening just just a couple of episodes, I can tell you with confidence that you'll be able to relate to some of these topics. And the latest episode that has been published is all about a toxic relationship that he was in just prior to the a pandemic and the relationship he was in ended his 10 year relationship ended just prior to the pandemic beginning. And you hear his struggle, his, his, uh, his journey to healing. And it's so well done, very high quality audio. So you don't have to worry about that. And you can find this podcast. It's called curated advice on better living. It's available really everywhere, right? Podcast or uh, Apple podcasts. You have breaker, Google podcasts, overcast, pocket cast, Spotify, Stitcher, and much more, including anchor. So you can check out curated advice on better living and help yourself live a better life today. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the mailbag. Welcome to the WWE podcast and welcome to Thanksgiving Eve. Although by the time you listen to this, either you are recovering from all of the food or you're maybe you're you're in and out of football on your Thursday uh, Thanksgiving day. Or maybe it's uh, the weekend and you just got back from traveling. Whatever the case may be, maybe you're back at work. Boy, I hope not. I hope everybody has a long weekend. I'm one that always takes off Black Friday. Not that I go shopping in our mall or anything, but I just once Thanksgiving hits, I just want a, a small break from work. And uh, you know, I, my big boy job, which honestly, I want to eventually use this podcast to retire early. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but. We're well on our way there, at least, um, you know, from a, a reasonable standpoint that it could happen. And, you know, I've got 18 years left if I want to retire in New York State. But perhaps it happens earlier than that simply by talking wrestling. We'll see. But selfishly, that's my goal. But right now, the goal for me is to give you guys some great audio. And it's going to be all about the mailbag here. And as we jump in, let's not wait any, wait any longer here and jump into the mailbag. And by the way, if you want to get priority placement in the mailbag, you all you have to do is join on Patreon. So we've got a few of those emails. As expected, since it's the Thanksgiving Eve, there are fewer vo- uh, emails this week and fewer voicemails, but uh, that should lead to a, a shorter show, I hope, because I just hit record and it's 10 p.m. at night here on the East Coast. So I'm really going to try to be efficient in answering these emails. But if you want priority placement, you don't have to dig through the show, and you know you're going to be up front, you just have to join Patreon. You get ad-free as well and a bunch of other great stuff. So let's dive in, and uh, 
hopefully we can add to your Thanksgiving weekend and start off with Randy. Randy, the patron. What does he have to say this week? Well, first, he lets us know that it's Randy, the patron here and says, "Okay, Austin Theory gets a huge push. I had a feeling that was going to happen. The whole egg thing was good until the way it ended. You never know with WWE now. One minute they're in a storyline, next they're cut. My question is, do you see Austin going for a title anytime soon? If so, which one? Well, we did see him go for the WWE Championship on Monday Night Raw to a uh, failing attempt as expected. And to be honest, I don't know if what we saw on Monday Night Raw wasn't a a contingency plan, that this was not the original intent for the egg payoff. I was way off on what 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 was happening. I thought The Rock was coming back. He was behind it, and Brooklyn was going to get a nice um, reintroduction of The Rock leading to Roman and Rock all the way to WrestleMania. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. I couldn't have been more wrong. But was I and many others, were we wrong in the initial intent? Or was it just a last-minute change by Vince for some reason, maybe The Rock's schedule or whatever? But you can't tell me Vince McMahon comes back after many, many months away to to what? Do this silly somebody stole my egg and have Austin Theory be the payoff? I don't buy it. I think it was a a switch at the last second. I don't believe this was the original intent of this. You can't tell me Vince would be coerced into coming back to TV for something as ridiculous as that. So I just want to say that up front. But who do I think or what do I think WWE is going to do with Austin Theory in terms of titles? Well, I think that right now he's out of the WWE title picture. I don't think they're going to let him you know, stew around there and live in that environment for too long. I think right now he will go into the United States title picture. I think that's probably where he's going to live for a while and thrive. But at the same time, Damian Priest is also on the rise with his change of character that we have zero explanation of yet, but I still like it. So that to me is... Uh, where Austin Theory is going to live is probably a step or two below the WWE Championship, as he should, as he should. So uh, he's got he's got a lot of growth to go yet. Okay, the crowd is definitely loving Damian Priest. You see him losing it and eventually moving on to the WWE title. I'm not saying he wins it, but becomes a story. It becomes a storyline with him. So well, it's kind of funny. I did not read the next paragraph. Um, I, I promise, I really didn't. But yeah. As much as I argued that uh, Austin Theory could be the one to take it off of Damian Priest and he's on the rise, so is Damian Priest. He's, Damian Priest is going through an evolution right now of his character. And I think he's the more established star over Austin Theory. And they have some work to do with Damian Priest as well, explaining why he is the way he is and what, what prompted this change. We've got no, no reasoning yet. And I don't, honestly, I don't know if we're ever going to get one as WWE gives us a little faith as to why things happen sometimes. Like, for example, hell, the Hurt Business getting back together and then disbanding one week to the next. But we do, I I do believe that Austin Theory and Damian Priest is absolutely on the table. And I do see that after Damian Priest loses it, that he could move into the WWE title picture. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not have him in the conversation? And it'd give a, a new and fresh opponent for Big E or whoever's champion at that time. So yeah, I think that Damian Priest could get into the conversation. As you said, Randy, that's a good way to put it. He's going to be in the conversation, ultimately with the goal of probably being the one to take the pinfall or submission, but not actually winning it. I don't think Damian Priest is anywhere near ready for the WWE Championship yet. So, But yeah, at least he's he's in the conversation after he loses the United States Championship. So, 
All right. Uh, I said a while ago that Zelina and Carmella were going to win the titles. Now, hopefully, they do what I said and have teams from everywhere try to take them. The question is, what do you do with Rhea and Nikki now? Well, WWE's in a bit of a conundrum with these two because they have essentially two teams in the women's tag team division now. Rhea and Nikki, Zelina and Carmella, and oh, that's it. So in a normal world, with a normal amount of tag teams in the division, when somebody loses the championships and you don't really see this team long-term together anyway, like Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, you know, we knew that they were destined to eventually break up. In a normal world, with there was, when there was actually just even surface-level depth to a tag team division, these two would be split up. But the problem is if you split them up, then you have nobody to work with Carmella and Zelina Vega. So I think they're in a bit of a rock and a hard place where they would like to split up Rhea and Nikki, specifically to bring Rhea into the WWE Women's Championship conversation for the Raw side of things. The problem is if you don't keep them together, then you have no nobody for the Raw Women's Tag Team Champions to contend with. And that's just embarrassing. And so... That's probably where they'll stay for now until more women's tag teams come along. Honestly, I would just abolish the damn things. They seem like more of a hindrance than they do a a championship worth pursuing. Honestly, they feel like they're just there because WWE created a a manufactured organic movement. Don't, Don't let us ever forget that, by the way. WWE had signs pre made for fans to who were on the camera side to bring uh, those signs that said, we want women's tag titles to live events. So the camera would get them in view. They're on the camera side. Sometimes they'd be the same fans, So they'd have plants in the crowd. Other times they would hand these pre-made signs to fans to hold up. So it looked like an organic movement, but I'll tell you, there was no cry. There was no outcry or outrage or, or unrest as today's language would uh, dictate regarding the women's tag team division. None. None. So, I mean, there were rumblings here and there. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. But if you're not going to go all in with it, don't do it. And they have been so hot and cold on this. But okay, Randy, thank you for the question. Love the storyline with uh, Sasha and Shotzi. I definitely, it's definitely entertaining. I can see this one going into the Royal Rumble. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. I'm really enjoying Sasha and Shotzi as well. Uh, Shotzi is just bursting onto the scene and she feels like she belongs immediately. I like her promo style. Uh, I didn't really watch her too closely in NXT. So to me, she's almost nearly brand new and I'm glad they ditched the stupid tank. Thank you. Thank God. I I see. I feel like I was alone on an Island about that thing. I didn't get a whole lot of support from even the listeners about, uh, about that particular element of her character of bringing a silly tank to the ring, unless you're going to go full on, um, what, what WrestleMania was it when we had Rusev come out I, I, in, a, in a real tank? Unless you're going to do that every show, which is from a logistic standpoint not possible. But if that was the case somehow, where you could like rent a local tank, <laughs> like a real one and not like a Toys R Us one, I'd be cool with it. But uh, yeah, I'm so glad she ditched that. That said, Shotzi does feel like she belongs right away. Uh, I love the heel turn by her. Sasha, we're supposed to believe, is a babyface. I don't buy Sasha as a babyface ever. And what is the reasoning for it again? Because she gets beat down. The same reasoning that we're supposed to like her because Bailey beat her down when they broke up a, a year ago. Like Every time Sasha, quote unquote, turns babyface, it's not because she has an epiphany about some suddenly caring about the fans' opinion. 
and not doing her obnoxious laugh, it's because she's not smart enough to see a beatdown coming. So it's really stupidity that we're supposed to find sympathy with Sasha Banks every time she turns babyface, at least the last few times. So I don't believe she's a babyface. Just because she's an extremely attractive woman doesn't do anything for me. So that argument is out the window. That factor is a non-factor. So I think Shotzi is a breath of fresh air, honestly, in the women's division. And I'm with you, Randy. I think she is just bursting onto the scene and and making a big impact right now. But yes, it can go to the Rumble easily because they don't have a pay-per-view until January 1st. And then after that, it's the Royal Rumble probably, what, I think three weeks later? So no doubt, no doubt it could easily go that way. I mean, it's at minimum going to January 1st. Uh, That's it. Have a good Thanksgiving and be safe. Thank you, Randy. You as well. All right. Let's see here. Let's go to, let's go to G-Man. Another Austin Theory email here and and a lovely patron of the show. I love, or I'm rather, I'm such a big fan of Austin Theory. This guy is the future for WWE. He really reminds me of a young Randy Orton. I think he may become the youngest WWE champion if he wins it sometime next year. Congrats to Dana Brooke on winning her first championship in WWE, the 24-7 championship. May not be the greatest thing, but at least she's but at least she's on TV, so happy for Dana. I'm sure Bobby put the hurt lock on Cedric off screen after losing to Dana. Lastly, I'm really excited for WWE 2K22. Man, all the game modes on there look really fun. I just hope it won't be 2K20 all over again. It can't get worse than 2K20. There's no way it can happen again. And not sure you noticed, but on the trailer, um, Maurice, um, on the trailer, uh, it looked like Buddy Murphy's in the game. If that's the case, then there's a good chance that most of the releases may still be in the game. So hopefully we still get a pretty packed roster. Happy Thanksgiving, Matt, to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you in the WWE Podcast universe. Much love, G-Man, out. Okay, well, uh, G-Man, you are canceled for using the word universe. Um, It it was really a great email and one one that was very inspiring and heartfelt. Up until you used that that language that we don't use around here called universe, uh, we, we, we don't speak that word around here. We use the normal word of fans, right? <laughs> um, of course, I'm joking, my friend. Thank you so much for the kind words. And look, kind of talking about your email backwards, I do believe that there is a cutoff. There always is a cutoff for WWE and their developer. Of this date, It the, the, um, the whole roster freezes, right? Everybody that's in WWE as an active competitor as of this date is going to be in the game. And barring any extenuating circumstance of somebody doing something insane, um, insanely awful, right? Like, and then, for instance, if a Chris Benoit incident happened or if another DUI charge had come across and Jimmy Uso gets uh, uh, fired from WWE for just making them look awful, I think then you can make an exception to changing things after the deadline. I don't even know what that deadline is. They don't ever tell us. Sometimes you hear that date leaked. But I agree. There are going to be people who are no longer in WWE that are on that roster. So I, t- I totally agree. And I, I, 2K22 looks really good. And it better be. They've had, at that point, two and a half years to develop it. So, yeah, it better be good. And I don't have a PS5. I have a PS4. So, you know, maybe I could... In, uh, Invest in a PS5 simply for a 2K22. <laughs> I know that they'll release it on the 4 as well, but 
Um, I think that on the five, it's going to look absolutely stunning. And I'm really excited too. Like I'm a big wrestling um, wrestling game aficionado. I used to be like my life before you know, family and more adult things happen to me. But I agree. Like I am still at heart a wrestling video game fan, and I miss the days of No Mercy and WCW NWO Revenge, um, all the SmackDown versus Raw series, 2006, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and then I think in WWE tw- uh, 12 it changed. That's when it stopped the SmackDown versus Raw, and it became WWE 12, and then it became uh, WWE 13 and 14, uh, and then it became 2K15. So I think there was only a three-year span of that 2K, uh, WWE 13, 14. So and then I think it took uh, took off at, at 15 with the 2K series, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of, like I said, the older games. No Mercy is obviously just uh, so nostalgic. It's oh gosh, anybody that had an N64 and was a wrestling fan, you know what I'm talking about in the early 2000s. So, okay, uh, let's go backwards here. As far as Dana winning a championship, yeah, look, I mean, it's pretty sad when the bar is set so low for Dana that winning a championship that nearly everyone on this earth has won, uh, and people that aren't even wrestlers have won, then yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I guess when you look at it from that perspective. Dana is on the on the rise. I mean, this is her push, guys. This is the push we've been waiting for. I kind of mean that half joking because in all seriousness, as as low of a bar that has been set for Dana, she has the bar set so low that when she does even something like this, it does actually get fans of Dana a little bit excited because she is getting TV time. And I said this with my Raw Review partner last night, Michael Gross, who joined me for an hour and a half, hour and a half conversation. That it's, I'm really shocked that through all of the releases and all the rounds of the releases that Dana Brooke has not been released. Have they maybe just forgotten that she's on the roster? Maybe that's the reason. Maybe that, and, and look, I, I don't, I'm not a Dana hater. I just, I haven't, maybe I haven't even seen her get a real opportunity, which is why I don't have an opinion on her. I'm so neutral on Dana. Don't love her, don't hate her. She's just there. But maybe WWE just kind of forgot <laughs> that she's there. Right, they just went through a roster. It's it's kind of like a Office Space. Uh, if you guys have seen the movie Office Space, it's kind of it's kind of like a cult following to it. And it was in the um, I think it was late '90s that this movie came out, or maybe early 2000s. And um, it <laughs> they had this guy named Milton who was fired a long time ago, but was still getting paid. And they just never told Milton that he was fired. They forgot he was there but he was still collecting a paycheck and showing up to work, but no one ever paid attention to him. He's just like, you know, an invisible entity. So perhaps Dana is WWE's Milton. I never thought I'd put that sentence together. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? Go watch office space. You'll even appreciate the, that more. If you work in an office environment in a cube. Okay. It's, it's, um, it's just such a, it's got such a charm to it. So, okay. Um, boy, I'm going way the hell off track. Um, but Austin Theory being a young Randy Orton, I see that parallel. Yeah, I do. I just don't know. He's to me, he's not ready for your WWE Championship material yet. I don't. Th- I mean, you know, maybe in twenty twenty, late twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Again, but that's my opinion. I'm of the belief of a long tenured um, uh, employee, or, or rather, contractor in this case, wrestler, who has had time there and been able to 
create a relationship with fans, figure out who they really are. They're not super green, that kind of thing. And Austin in the ring is great. He's a good-looking dude. The selfie thing is kind of – it's heat-inducing. We'll see how long that lasts. I mean, eventually you're going to have to move away from something as superficial as that. But uh, Austin Theory right now is making, a, is, is making some noise, and I like what he's doing. All right, G-Man, thank you, and you uh, have a happy Thanksgiving as well. All right, let's get to another patron here, William Evans. He writes in and says, I was listening to your Raw review with Michael Gross. Great job. I just wanted to comment real quick on something you guys talked about, how hard they might push Liv Morgan. So this is just my observation. I went to a house show in Syracuse last weekend. Ah, only a couple hours for me, brother. Liv got one of the biggest pops of the night. Only Becky and Roman were bigger. She worked a match against Carmella, and the crowd was really hot for Liv. Later in the night, Becky was facing Bianca. Before the match started, Becky got a promo basically saying that Bianca wasn't worthy and she was leaving. She grabbed her belt and headed toward the back. Liv's music hit, and she came out and chased her back to the ring. The crowd went nuts for her. Liv stayed ringside for the whole match and was interacting with the crowd. Becky won by using the ropes for the pin. If you can consider crowd reaction at a house show as any type of indicator, I would say that Liv is way over. At least she was that night. Just wanted to give a little inside perspective. Keep up the great work, Bill. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, I didn't mean to call you William. If you prefer Bill, I'll call you Bill. Bill Evans here. Um, So I love when I get these house show reports, which I don't don't happen often. So anytime, by the way, anybody that attends a house show, a non-televised event, I'm all for getting in, in like the uh, the in-person perspective because we don't see these things. We don't know what happens at those live events. And things like this are great to hear and see because, again, Syracuse, it's a big city in New York. It's not New York City. It's not Buffalo. Um, Albany and Syracuse are probably on par. But it's one of the bigger cities in, in New York. And the Northeast is a very wrestling-centered um, population. Is it as popular as NFL or MLB? I mean, probably not, but the congregation of wrestling fans in the Northeast is relatively high, at least in comparison to the rest of the country, I think. So that's cool to hear about Syracuse. And I would love to know, though, what were the demographics of the house shows? Because Sometimes the demo, the, the demos that show up at the house shows aren't the same ones that show up in the arena for Raw or for the pay-per-views even more, right? Typically, those that show up to the house shows are a younger audience, family-oriented audience because it's cheaper tickets, it's less insane, um, typically fewer people are there because it's not televised. So I do wonder about the demographics. Why does that matter? Well, because... I think that it, if you're not, if you're getting those type of reactions at house shows, and again, this is a sample size of one, right? I know that. And I'm going to pretend that this is uniform across the majority of the house shows that Liv get, is getting this reaction. So I'm going to go with that assumption. But it's important because if those that are cheering her this loudly at live events that are non-televised don't go to the Raws and SmackDowns and the pay-per-views, then it's not translating on camera. And, it, and so far, it hasn't really translated on camera, at least to the level that you're talking about. And if it doesn't translate on, on camera, then the perception to the millions of people at home watching is, well, she's kind of got a lukewarm reaction. 
It's kind of mild. People like Liv. She's a sympathetic favorite. And that's generally the feeling I've gotten from most people attending Raws and pay-per-views. So, again, that's why demographics are important because I think the, the more expensive the tickets are, the fewer families go, and the older male audience tends to take over in terms of the demographics that are there. Typically, typically. I'm not saying it's across the board. So um, that's really cool, Bill, that you were um, able to, to give, on me, give me all that detail. It's uh, very, very uh, appreciative. And anytime you do that, man, uh, anytime anybody does this, absolutely I do welcome this type of um, reporting for sure. So thanks, Bill. Much appreciated. And let's get to Joel. Joel or Joel. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Joel. So if it's Joel, then, you know, shame on me. But Joel uh, writes in a patron of the show and says, I'm Joel from Australia, a new patron here. Well, thank you once again. I've been listening to the podcast for a while, and I must say I enjoy it a lot. I always listen to the Raw and SmackDown reviews and also pay-per-view reviews as well as the mailbag show. Anyway, I wanted to ask your opinion on this prediction. Seth, I think Seth Rollins will win the WWE title in a triple threat with Big E and Kevin Owens and then will defend it against Big E at the Rumble. After what happened on Raw this week with Finn Balor, my hope is that Finn is off TV for a while and he returns somehow and ends up facing Seth Rollins for the title at WrestleMania. I think fans could get hyped for a Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, uh, possibly even Demon Finn for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. What do you think? Good question, Joel. And I've semi-proposed this in the last um, review show and, and the week before, is that I do believe, I think the general consensus is, that Big E's going to lose the championship to Seth. But in order to protect Seth, or rather protect Big E in the loss, Big E does not involve, have to be involved in the decision. Now, whether that is a triple threat or a fatal four-way that includes Finn is yet to be seen, but it is going to be, I believe, a multi-person match that takes place at day one on the day one pay-per-view, January 1st of 2022, about five weeks away. So that said, if your prediction is correct, where it's a triple threat and we had Finn get written off TV, then yes, uh, I still think the same is true. I believe Kevin Owens will then be the one to take the pinfall and protect Big E. And they're certainly not shameful of having uh, you know, Kevin Owens take a big loss. That's not new territory for them. So that's, I believe, how it plays out where, yes, uh, Finn then would return. Would it lead to a WrestleMania match between them? I don't know if Finn, if WWE believes Finn Balor is at the level of Seth Rollins. While you and I may agree from a, uh, a standpoint of promos and in-ring ability, they're on par. I think from management's perspective, I don't get that feeling from them, especially given what they've done with Finn after he went through Roman Reigns. He's been on a massive losing streak. And, um, I mean, he's even drafted late in the draft this year, which made no sense. <clears throat> so I do believe that's what happens. I think that they do wrap it up at the Royal Rumble, though. I think you could have Demon Finn versus Seth. That's fine. But I believe it, it gets wrapped up into Royal Rumble. I don't believe it's going to go another three months after that to WrestleMania. Fans would start to lose their minds at that point. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they have no patience for anything that goes beyond like a month and a half. <laughs> well, you know, you and I may have more patience and other fans that listen to this show have a long have more of an attention span and like the, the slow burn of things. I believe that most fans this 
you know, in this generation don't have the attention span that maybe you or I or older fans did back in, you know, the ruthless aggression and attitude era where we enjoyed long-term stories. But anyway, thank you so much, Joel. And uh, again, appreciative of your, uh, of your patronage and support of the show and continue to write in. It's always great to hear from people from different countries. So Australia, things are crazy over there. At least that's what I'm seeing on the news. So stay safe. Stay safe, man. Thanks for the question. Okay. Let's now, as we shift gears from our, uh, from our patrons to our normal mailbag here. And let's see, where do we start? And yes, we have Instagram. I believe we do have Instagram and I will get to that too. Um, and you know what? Let me get to it now. I'm going to get to Instagram now because if I don't, I'm going to feel really bad when I forget because I know I'm going to forget. I'm just terrible with stuff like this. Um, if it's not, if it's off my routine, I just, I have uh, like a block in my head. I don't know if it's cause I'm a guy and I can only focus on one thing at a time. Um, but okay, let's get to our, uh, first message here on Instagram and our first message comes to us from Jess. So Jess, thank you for your, uh, your question here. You make the mailbag fun as all of our listeners do when you, you write in and, uh, it's always fun to hear what everybody else has to say and what they're thinking because thank God everyone doesn't think like me. This this would be a scary world. I'm just saying that right now. Okay, so she writes in and says, Hey, Matt, big fan of your show. Listening to the Mailbag episode now, and when you were talking about where Asuka has been, I remembered seeing a picture of her in a shoulder or arm sling over the summer. Found the pic for you. Looks like she had surgery. Hopefully she's back soon. So, um, yes, yes, I did take a look at that picture. And I do really appreciate, you know, you being able to share that with me. And, um, you know, I was, I I thought I had seen that, but I'm glad that you are more uh, observant than I am. Sometimes I am the most absent-minded SOB you've ever met. Ask my wife. But that is precisely what I had speculated. And maybe that's subconsciously I had seen that picture. But in the forefront, in my, you know, my frontal lobe of my brain, I did not. And it did not come back to me. So thank you, Jess, for bringing that to my attention. So people asking, where the hell is Asuka? Where is Asuka? Well, it seems as if maybe her injury is not quite fully healed yet. But boy, oh boy, could the women's roster use it. You know, where absolutely use it. And same with Alexa Bliss. I think Alexa Bliss and Asuka coming back and Bailey. I think they could all be within like a, a month or two of each other from what I'm understanding. You know, with Bailey coming back probably at the end of um, or early next year, maybe March or rather February. I'm sure she's aiming for before WrestleMania. And Alexa Bliss is, from what I understand, even closer than that, maybe before the end of the year. And you have Asuka probably sometime with Alexa Bliss. So these are all, um, I I think, timing wise going to be close to one another. But you also do get concerned when you don't see somebody for a while, especially in today's WWE environment. Are they injured? Do they not have something for them creatively or are they next on the list on the list of those to be let go? And sadly, we have to think like that. So thank you, Jess. Thank you so much for your, um, your, your observation. Okay. Uh, we have one more question here on the, uh, the, the Instagram. Did I say that right? It's the Instagram, right? <laughs> Remember it used to be the Facebook before Facebook became like a toxic, uh, cesspool. It was the Facebook. Anyway, uh, so Michael writes in and he says, hey, man, big fan. 
Been listening for over two years and first time dropping on the mailbag show. Or I hope so, and I'm not fooling myself or something. Love and respect what you guys do. It's almost like we kind of needed a show like this to tell fans the real ish, uh, ish, if you if you catch my drift. Uh, you you know, funny thing. There was a time your show was so good that I was listening to it more, uh, listening to it more times to catch up with stuff going on with uh, with WWE, and I couldn't stop. And I got so used to your voice in my ear during that period. The only time I watched WWE was only during pay per views. But now it's like you guys sucked me back in because for some time back there, and I ain't got to lie, the product was just straight up, say it with us, everybody, trash. Actually, I've got somebody that can say this much better than I can. Trash. Yes, trash. I just wanted to say that you guys should keep doing what you're doing, and I hope you all don't uh, quit for any reason because I'm going to be mad and because uh, you guys got something going on here. And yeah, you've put me to sleep a few times, and it's not the content. I think it's your voice or something. I don't know, man. And oh, I'm the only person who feels, uh, and am I the only person who feels Becky Lynch sucks in the ring? Okay, lot there, lot there, Michael. It seems like you you had a lot to say of two years of listening and not contributing to us. So, and I don't mean that as an obligation, right? Like I, I'm fine with if people just want to listen and use us to sleep because our, our, our conversations are so thrilling, right? They're, they're just so engaging that it keeps people awake. Like what do you need? You don't need caffeine. You've got the WWE podcast, right? <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Well, first of all, thank you for listening for so long. I, it's much appreciated, uh, appreciated. And I'm glad that you came across our show because I do think we bring that one element that no other show brings. Number one, we don't rely on just cussing. Right? A lot of shows just, uh, I think are trying to get, attention by oh i can swear in my microphone and some people enjoy that i i think that it's well sometimes i do feel like cussing i don't think it's a marketing tool that you should use to grasp a wide audience considering that it's a tv pg product why would you make your show rated r you're cutting your knees off i think um but trust me i've thought about doing like a an r-rated show sometimes especially some of the things they do sometimes it's just uh it's really hard to keep it pg um, well, I'm glad we also got you back into WWE. Maybe WWE can send us some kind of monetary compensation for like being an affiliate of WWE, bringing people back to the product. I've heard this more than once for our show, and I'm not tooting on my own horn at all. I mean, hell, we could be driving people away from the product with sometimes how much we complain about it. It's possible that we're driving people away. You know, you know that's not measured. But at least from the people we bring in, WWE should should give us some kind of uh, I don't know compensation. Of, of course, that's never going to happen, and nor would I actually expect that. But anyway, um, I'm glad that my, my voice is in your ear. Um, I think that's a good thing. I It sounds like it is in the context that you provided it, but it's also possible that it's not a good thing um, in some cases. So hopefully when I'm in your ear and in your head that uh, it's, it's at the appropriate time. Uh, let me just leave it at that. And, you know, it, it's all part of my master plan to play mind games, right? It's just, um, I want to get in people's heads. Well, at least according to Corey Graves, Byron Saxon, and Michael Cole, everything everyone does all the time are mind games, especially according to Byron Saxon, who anything anyone does at any time at all, they're playing mind games with their opponent because that's the narrative driven by WWE corporate. It's all mind games, mind games, mind games. I'm in your head, I'm in your head, I'm in your head. Uh, no, no, you're, you're not. This is all about 
a physical competition. I know there's a mental element to it, but I think they drive that narrative way too hard to sometimes. So, okay. Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, much appreciated that uh, you, you were able to contribute and feel free to do so. And anybody else that wants to contribute on Instagram, uh, you can do so at WWE underscore podcast. We are there. So we're also on TikTok. If you want to venture over there, I do try to create videos at least every other day or so on the, on the news going on. And it's um, the WWE podcast on TikTok. So, yeah, we're, we're getting pretty trendy and, and hip and cool, aren't we? We're keeping up with the kids. No cap, as they say. I just learned what the hell that is, by the way. Sad, sad, sad. Okay. Let's, uh, as we shift gears from our Instagram back to the promised email here, let's get to our email. Now I lost my place, of course. Um, ah, okay. Dennis. And Dennis writes in and says that he's thinking about all of the releases that WWE has done and what WWE is doing with their young talent when they finally get brought up to the main roster. They just get brought up and Vince is like, oh, we don't need you. And then they just release them. And what do I think AEW would do with the talent that's released from WWE? Well, Dennis, first of all, WWE is by proxy or not, not intentionally feeding AEW system. While WWE would frame it as, well, they're getting our leftovers, they're getting our our um, our scraps, they can frame it in any way they want. The fact is that, no, you're they're not. They're thriving in spite of you releasing all this talent that you deem has gotten everything that they can get out of them. And I think that, well, not everybody that gets released from WWE will automatically be uh, railroaded right into AEW. There are going to be some select few that do, and I wish them the best. So some will go to AEW. Some will probably just stop in the, you know, being involved in the wrestling business altogether. Some will go to New Japan. Some will go to Ring of Honor. Some will go to Impact. Some will stay in the independence. Some will take a different path in their life. Maybe they decided, I don't know, hell, be a personal trainer instead of being a pro wrestler. I mean, who knows? Um there's a lot that a lot of people that were released from WWE have to think about from a professional standpoint. Um, but yeah, the NXT coming up, I, w- I would not want to be an NXT star, at least one that, you know, has being eyed to come up to the main roster. I wouldn't want to do it. Not on everything that they've shown us the last several uh, years. All right. You also had um, your thoughts on the B- on the pay-per-view survivor series pay-per-view. So you said you thought it was a B minus. I don't know, but did you tune in an hour early? Uh, I did on Peacock because this is why. They had the kickoff show and match, the Intercontinental Champion versus the United States Champion. This match was before the whole pay-per-view started. Yep, uh, I did see it. It was only aired live before and couldn't see it on the replay version. I thought it was a good match, even though it ended in DQ. Damian Priest taking the guitar and breaking it over his leg and then hitting the uh, IC title over the head. I think during the match, Damien was warning Rick Books to stop playing, and and that is how and why. I think that is all I can remember from that match. He got uh, DQ'd in the match. I wish Damien would have been taken, could have taken it out on his opponent and not break the guitar to get a DQ. I like the new Damien also getting taunted by Vince with the fact like The Rock was there. Yeah, I mean, um, okay, so you got some other thoughts here, but. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the match between Damian Priest and uh, the uh, Intercontinental Champion of Shinsuke Nakamura. I thought that they had a, a nice match, as expected. 
But yeah, I mean, ending in a DQ tells you that they didn't know what to do with this. They didn't, you know, they didn't know who to push, who not to. Or more specifically, they wanted the aggression of Damian Priest on display. So even in, even though he lost, it was all about the aggression and character change of Damian Priest. So that's how I viewed that. Uh, yeah, The Rock being teased that he was there. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. And maybe that was the original plan as I opened the show with. Maybe that was the original plan and they just decided to take a different course for whatever reason. This feels like a contingency plan with Austin Theory as the payoff. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, I, I like Austin Theory, but he's nowhere near that category yet. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Oh, yes, you, you did say that it is trash. So <laughs> I feel like I should cue the crisis, uh, the, the, the whole crisis uh, uh, drop that I've created now. Now let's go to Dreamland for a minute and talk about Omas. What are your thoughts on Omas turning heel? Maybe hit work on his mic skills. Could Omas take over as your WWE champion? What, what would his finisher mo- finishing maneuver be? What are your thoughts on this, Matt? Hope you and your family have a happy Thanksgiving. Talk with you next week. Well, thank you, Dennis. Same to you and your family. As far as Omos goes, he already is a heel. I mean, that's how I've perceived him. He's gotten booze generally from the crowd. He hasn't got an overwhelmingly positive reaction really almost ever since being on his own anyway. And he does need to work on his mic skills. There's no question. I But I never expect him to be a silver tongue devil. Like I don't ever expect him to be the rock, you know, in 1999 I, I, or a John Cena at any time. John Cena might be the best of all time on the microphone. I don't know. I don't have that uh, expectation of him, but I do think he needs to know the basics and he has yet to show us really anything on the microphone that, that, that absolutely is something he needs to work on. Um, who, who could he be as who, what could his finisher maneuver be? Boy, that, that's anybody's guess. Maybe the roll-up? That seems to be the uh, the common denominator for ending matches, at least like you know a high percentage of them. That, how ridiculous would that be, right? How ridiculous would that, that be that Omas you know, chooses the roll-up as his finish? I mean, and then have the announcers with a straight face call it like it's the most devastating maneuver ever delivered. That it's like, you know, somehow putting their life in jeopardy by taking this maneuver. I mean, imagine it. Right, like, and oh my God, Omos, he's going for, he's going for it, he's going for the roll up. Good God Almighty! Right, I mean, you can hear it now. I threw a little Jim Ross in there, but at this point, they might as well, you know, they might as well call the roll up just like that, because it has ended more matches than I care to count. It's a number that is, I probably my brain can't calculate, and yeah. So anyway, I don't know his finish. I mean, he he right now he's got the double bomb choke, double arm choke slam. I think that's his finish is the double arm choke slam. But uh, Omas is WWE champion. I think that's absolutely where they're aiming, but probably not for another year. Again, 2023 is what I'm aiming for for him as WWE champion. So thank you so much, uh, Dennis. And let's keep things rolling. Let's get to uh, Jim from. Pennsylvania, he writes in, Survivor Series is over. Now on to the Royal Rumble. Uh, actually, Jim, I thought it was too. I uh, actually thought it was TLC. There's a new pay-per-view called Day One that's going to be on Day One of 2022. 
That, that is absolutely the point of it. Um, and it's so on New Year's Day, there's going to be a, a pay-per-view called Day One, and then it's the Royal Rumble. So, um, yep, I learned about that too. I know there's a pay-per-view event before the Rumble, but I'm uh, ready for the Rumble. But first, I would like to say I hope Creative doesn't forget Tony Storm because she's going to be someone to watch. Okay, well, um, so, yeah, I mean, Tony Storm is going to be someone to watch, but it feels like they're not really focused on Tony Storm too much. I mean, that said, though, she did get a, she did get a segment with uh, Charlotte Flair last week on SmackDown. She did get the segment, even as dismissive as Charlotte was about her. That um, that is absolutely, you know, a, a good thing for her career. It's all about sustainability, though. It's all about consistency, rather. You know, does WWE continue to put her in a main event spot or put her in at least a semi-main event or at least a relevant spot consistently on TV every week is really what I would start at. Even if it's a lower tier program, if she's consistently on TV, that sends the message to us that, okay, they have their eye on her. They're at least thinking about her week to week. So, um, and yeah, I, by the way, your, your sentence beforehand where you said that, you know, there's a pay-per-view event before the rumble. I didn't even read that part before I made my comment. Boy, <sighs> I, I'm just, it's, it's getting late here, guys. I pr- <laughs> and it's just going to get later as the show goes on. So let's see how many more brain farts I can uh, push out. <laughs> so, oh, good Lord. All right. So let's see. Now for the rumble. Here are my picks. Wow. Early picks, Jim. You're the first person to come with any picks to me so far. And here are the winners for you, uh, for the men's and women's. And you have AJ Styles going on to face Roman Reigns and win. And for the Women's Royal Rumble, you have Shayna Baszler go on to face Becky and win. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much. As always, you know, happy Thanksgiving to you as well and your family. And I, I can't outright disagree with this. I think AJ Styles is due, long overdue, for a big push, of probably a final push of his career. But that said, I think that AJ Styles, as I just said, is not the future of wrestling, nor should he be at this point in his career. He's done more than anyone could ask or think. I I believe that. But I don't think the Royal Rumble is reserved for veterans like himself. The Royal Rumble is like a it's a it's kind of like a coming of age at times. It's a coming of age tale more often than not. Now, have we had veterans win? Yeah, of course. Right, we've had Batista win. We've had the Undertaker win, and though they were grizzled veterans at that point, but more often than not, you like to see younger talent get that spot because they are showcased for the next several months leading into WrestleMania, which sends a message to fans and their sponsors that they're going with youth, that they're pushing their youth. So I'm I'm all about that as well. So I don't think AJ Styles wins simply for that logic, but uh, Shayna Baszler is more of an argument to be made there, but they haven't done anything with her lately to make me believe that they're going to put her in that position. I mean, she was used by WWE management to write off Eva Marie and and Nia Jax because they were going to fire them a a month or so later. But outside of that, if, if they didn't have plans for Eva Marie and Nia Jax being fired, I don't know if Shayna Baszler would have even done that. She probably would just be kind of flurrying about flapping her arms in the women's division with no real momentum at all. So 
Um, until they show me otherwise, if something starts to heat up towards the end of December for me, and especially past day one, day one pay-per-view, then I, I will get a little more excited that Shayna Baszler could be a real possibility. But if the Royal Rumble was tomorrow, I would say no way. You know, like I, I did no way would Shayna Baszler win that. And plus, in the recent past, we've seen Shayna Baszler and Becky Lynch. We've seen that at what, WrestleMania 36? The WrestleMania of crickets? That was uh, the last time we saw them. So it would only be two years removed from that. I don't think fans would want to see that again that, that soon anyway. So, but good picks. Thank you, Jim. And happy Thanksgiving. And I hope to hear from you next week. Okay. I think we only have, famous last words, one more email. And then we're going to get to the voicemails. So, Dennis O'Brien writes in. And he says to me, and you know what? At this point, I'm also just going to make this one a drop as well. He writes in and says, hey, Matt, so if you want to go big, then say that. And rather than me saying it, why, why, why don't you just uh, hear it? We all want to go big, then say that. Does that make everybody feel better that I had to endure that with you? Just those two seconds. What exactly? I'll get to the email in a second. Again, what the hell is that supposed to be? I, I get the premise. I, I understand the intention behind the words. Like, Y'all want to go big, then say that. Okay, so if you want to step up, let me know. Is that the translation? I, I mean, I get it. We're going to go big or go home. But what? I don't know. It's It's such a terrible intro. That, I mean, again, it's just... Uh, it's indicative of everything. One of the, not everything wrong with Biggie, but one of the things, although Biggie has gotten more serious. I don't think he's an embarrassment to the championship. That's not what I'm saying, but he's got some things to fix in my mind. And my opinion is more valuable than anyone in WWE's. So I want to make that clear too. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's get back to the email as I get off the rails here. So there, I hope you're, I hope you're happy, Dennis. Not only did I say it, I let us all experience the terribleness that is that of Biggie's intro. Okay, I just finished Survivor Series. It was an okay pay-per-view, nothing special. I thought Becky and Charlotte's match was good, but Reigns Biggie was the match of the night. We've been told for weeks now that the superstars are only exclusive to their respective brands, right? But all talent from both brands were beyond Raw tonight. I suppose the rules change when a fake golden egg from a movie has gone missing. Thanks. Well, yeah, Dennis, look, that didn't even materialize. Which tells me they had to do a backup plan. The Rock wasn't available. Something changed. They want to take a different road. Because, yes, they did tell us that. And yet nobody was there except normal Raw stars. It's not like we got Roman Reigns. You know, it, it was kind of a ho-hum type of Raw. And, again, something as silly as the Golden Egg I would have gone with if it led to The Rock coming back. Remember the Vincent Kennedy, Vincent J. Kennedy Award that was given to uh, Stephanie? And it brought back Shane McMahon. Like they do silly things like that that ultimately lead to a bigger, a bigger ends to a means to an end. In this case, it just led to Austin Theory. Silly. <laughs> silly, silly, which tells me this was not supposed to be the original intention of this storyline. So, all right, Dennis. Nobody, no, no more of the you want to go big stuff. I don't want to hear it again. Although, now that I've said don't do it, guess what's going to happen? All right, uh, and right on cue. Uh, I thought this was—I thought this was a voicemail. It's actually an email. This is our final email, though. 
was 100% final email. I double checked all of our outlets, all of our social media. This is the final email. So let's get to it. And then we'll get, get to your voicemails. And that is from Action Packed Noob, which is actually just Kyle from New York. So Kyle, <laughs> love the name. Cool stuff. I'm writing this on a Tuesday morning. First of all, my brother Kev, my brother was Kevin from New York two weeks ago. He wanted to mess me with me and email you. Owen is the true heel on this podcast, and as long as I'm the babyface on this show, Kevin will not be back. He tried a new gimmick; it didn't work, so no more Kevin. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know whether I'm disappointed or whether uh, I, I should be angry. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, okay. So first, I want to talk about the horrible channel changing New Day. It was so satisfying to see Roman Reigns crush Woods' crown last Friday on SmackDown. I'm sick of the New Day so much. I just need them to go away and never come back again unless there's a huge character change. But I've given up hope at this point that will ever happen. So seeing the bloodline mostly dominate the New Day for the last two weeks felt really good. The New Day are, as the crisis would say, and rather, again, (laughs) rather, this is why I created a job for it. Rather than having me say it, let's all say it together. The New Day are... Trash. Thank you, Crisis. See, much easier when he says it than I say it. It means more when he says it. Um, All right. So, yes. Also, I agree with Matt on everything about The Rock. Seriously, no Rock. I was actually originally going to Survivor Series and the Raw the night after, but because of some problems with COVID, I couldn't go. So why in the hell would you hype this man up so much and not even have him show up? I just don't get WWE anymore. I don't understand them. They literally had Roman, his, his cousin, do a rock bottom in the main event. I don't get how that's not a hint that maybe The Rock is there. I just don't know anymore. Yeah, um, well, first of all, uh, seeing Roman Reigns crush Woods' crown was was hilarious, and I enjoyed every second of it. Uh, but also seeing the build quality of his props was embarrassing. I mean, it felt it looked like it came out of a cereal box with the way it just kind of crumbled into plastic pieces of nothingness. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Okay, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, my frustration of The Rock not being there was it, it was it was really just disappointment because. I, I can't remember the last time they hinted at something so much and then they didn't deliver on it. I mean, like, they they really laid it on thick, which, again, tells me with all the egg stuff, all the dropping of the hints, the rock bottom by Roman, something went awry backstage. I really believe that. Something happened, and they, they, didn't, they couldn't deliver. Something with the rock's travel. I mean, that's all just speculation on my part, but this was a egregious, egregious, um, just, just, you know, I guess... Um, Switch bait and switch by WWE. Now they never explicitly said he was there, and they didn't. But boy, they hinted at it. So I was also wanted to give DJ a late birthday shout out. Sorry, I was busy. I couldn't give him a shout out earlier. Happy birthday, DJ. Yes, we all in in uh, in unison say happy birthday to DJ, albeit a little bit late. The next thing I want to talk about is Bobby Lashley. Ever since Lashley returned from the Oldberg loss, he's been very dominant and on a good streak right now. If Roman is fighting the Rock at WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, do you think they could be building to Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 38? Just a thought. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's exactly where they could be going. Uh, Roman and, um, and Brock could wrap their program up at either day one or the Royal Rumble and then you could get to a Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar uh, program early in 2022 after the Rumble or maybe during the Rumble or some kind of hints during sometime in January leading to a Brock and uh, and Lashley program at WrestleMania. Yes, absolutely. 
Yes, 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 yes. Uh, also, did you see that fan attack Seth? You probably will talk about it on your raw review. I actually, you know, I, I did a quick video on it on TikTok too as well. Those of you that care about that and want to keep up with the cool kids. Uh, there was a video that surfaced. Yes, I saw I saw the whole video. I saw multiple angles of the video. Uh, Seth was yelling, you, you mother blank. Yep, he was... Yeah, I was hoping Seth would be able to get some shots in. You know, uh, that fan was stupid. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Unless unless it comes out that he had some actual mental illness, diagnosable, not self-diagnosed. Like, I don't want to hear that he went on WebMD and he found out he had, like, anxiety or something, right? Like, he, you know, that he, uh, he, he self-medicated or something. Like, no, I want like actual evidence to me if this is the only way I'd back this fan up or at least give him a pass is if it comes out that he was had, you know, a mental, you know, some kind of history of a mental illnesses or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, this was just an overall bad, bad choice, bad job out of this fan. And he deserves if is proven that uh, this was intentional and that there's no other underlying conditions for him medically that would have caused this, then he deserves all the punishment he's got coming to him. There's no other way around it. You just don't do that. You're an idiot. So um, another thing about Seth is the fans were singing his theme song. So he's the next wrestler to have his theme song sung. And I love it's hilarious. I want Seth so bad to win the championship WWE championship because Biggie is really, really bad as champion. Thank you. Thank you for using an, an alternative word to trash and saying really bad. Um, not that I don't love the drop from crisis, but uh, thank you. I don't understand how adults still like this crap. Well, look, I don't either. I really have no earthly idea how anybody above the age of 11 has any interest in cheering for the new day. But apparently those people are out there though. Those, those people are out there. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Uh, as far, oh, as far as Seth Rollins, people singing his song. Yeah. I noticed that too. It is catchy now that it's been brought to my attention, and I see why people sing it. Absolutely, and when he, you know, I do think Seth eventually will have a baby face run again. We'll see if it's as successful or as rather as unsuccessful as the first run around. But all right. Uh, anyway, to end off on a positive note, um, Jeff Hardy looked great at Survivor Series. I can see him getting a little, uh, getting a title match against Roman at Day One, the worst pay per view name ever, by the way. I would challenge that though. Uh, to Great Balls of Fire. You remember, Kyle? Great Balls of Fire. I think that is the worst of all time. But anyway, uh, maybe that could be Jeff's final world title opportunity because I think it's pretty obvious he's going to retire. I have a ton of respect for the Hardy Boys, what they've done for so much for entertainment since the late Attitude Era days. So I think Jeff should retire just like this having one last really good run, not losing anymore. Anyway, that's it for this week. Don't forget to acknowledge your tribal chief before bed, and I will talk to you next week. Well, yes, of course I do. I mean, I, I, I kneel at bedside and acknowledge him. Thanks so much, Kyle. Thank you so much. And let's, yes, now it's time to get to the voicemails. And let's uh, let's see, where the heck are we going to start tonight? Let's start, it looks like, based on the transcription I can see, uh, that it's Brad from New York. Uh, so let's see what Brad has to say this week. Hey, Matt, Brad in New York. Um, you know, not to beat a dead horse here and keep pounding the same drum, but Rick Boogs is an absolute superstar in the making. This guy 
I don't know if you saw on Friday Night SmackDown this week, uh, Boogs, they had a huge Boogs sign in the audience. This guy is absolutely electrifying. Um, I want to know, not only just from you, but from some of the other callers and the other listeners to this podcast, why this guy has not taken off like an absolute rocket ship already. Um, very funny. Very, very dynamic. Um, I think this guy needs to be, um, you know, elevated um, in a very, very big way. Um, the crowd absolutely loves him, as Amanda said when she was on your podcast, when she saw them live um, in Norfolk, I believe. Uh, the guy is just beloved. And if you look at the comments on YouTube videos of Shinsuke's entrance, if you see what Pat McAfee does for him, this is a guy that needs to be elevated. This is a guy that I want to talk about. This is a guy that I think is one of the best things that WWE has, legitimately. And I would not mind seeing this guy become a champion down the line. I actually would love it. Um, I think that he has all the potential in the world. Um, and I think he's got a great, great personality and someone that the WWE can really work with. Um, give me more thoughts on Boogs. Um, we should actually do an independent Boogs podcast, um, just a show just on Boogs. Um, half kidding, but uh, give me your thoughts on Boogs, man. The guy is really taking it to another level, in my opinion. Thanks. Hey, Brad. Well, listen, I did see that sign. It was very prominent on SmackDown, the, the Boogs sign. It was kind of like the woo back in the day, right? And I thought, yeah, like Boogs has some momentum behind him, no doubt about it. And he has a magnetic personality, good energy. Um, he's very electric on the guitar, no pun intended. And, you know, your question is, why hasn't he taken off yet? Well, I think right now that they're still trying to keep the Intercontinental Championship relevant, keep Shinsuke Nakamura relevant. I think... Shinsuke needs Boogs more than Boogs needs Shinsuke right now. And I'm not as high on Boogs as you are right now. I'm not down on him. I'm I'm up on him. I guess I'm not to the level you're at yet. And maybe it's because I don't see it and I'm not as smart as you yet. I don't know. I mean, really, I don't know. Um, I just I just look at him and I'm like, yeah, interesting guy. He's got a cool gimmick. He's kind of like the the cool version of Elias. He's what Elias probably should have been. Um and I think there's a good future for him. That's what I'd say. Why would I not be higher on him? Well, because I don't know much about him. You know, he, he doesn't get a whole lot of mic time other than his intro for Shinsuke Nakamura and Pat McAfee having an orgasm on the table. I mean, that's essentially it. And uh, you know, in ring, he's good. In ring, he's good. Um, and he's got a good look. But I don't know him any. I don't know anything about him. You know, I, I don't know why he's here, what his mission is, what, you know, what is he trying to do? What's, what are his goals? What's his history? Give us something. I mean, that's the thing is, okay, you can play your guitar. You're a cool guy. You're magnetic. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good traits, but I don't have a deep connection with him yet because how could I? We, we know nothing about the character, at least very surface level stuff. That's, I think, what's holding me back. And I don't think that's unjustified. I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. That he's got something, but we need more. We need more from him. You know, um, 
And so that's why I think he hasn't taken off the way he has. I have no problem with him being champion. I mean, down the line, but there's some work to be done. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready to just throw the universal championship on him or throw the WWE championship on him. No, but I'm saying it's possible. I'm not down on him at all, but I, he's just got some work to do. They've got a lot of, I guess, character development to do with him before he gets to that point. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I agree again, every time he has that intro for Shinsuke, people love it. And I think WWE is afraid to move for, away from something that is working, afraid to try something new with him right now and also keep Shinsuke relevant. So that's why why they're also not doing much with him and elevating him further because Shinsuke needs him. The intercontinental championship needs him by proxy and they've got something that's working. Why would they move from that right now? That's, I think they're thinking. And they're not ready for him to ele- be elevated yet. They've got other people waiting in the wings. Brad, thank you for your voicemail. And let's get to the next one. Hey, it's Scott from Baltimore. I would like to talk about what, last night's um, Survivor Series show. And it was a show. And I think the only thing that was like a great match was Becky and Charlotte. And everything else was just happened, you know, and having having Kevin Owens walk out, which made sense. He is the heel in the situation and in, and it's like he just walked out like no one cared. Like in this entire show no one cared. It was it was like a who cares pay review like it is every year. That's not gonna change unfortunately, but overall this the only match only was the highlight was Becky and Charlotte. That was a great match and we'll see what happens tonight on Raw and what's gonna happen heading into the day one pay per view and January and into how they got to hype it up all through next month through heading into the January 1st. So we'll see, but that the show was okay, but weird, but that was it. Thanks for my call. Bye. Hey Kyle. So your take is a lot of, um, it's a lot of other people's takes. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I understand it completely that Becky and Charlotte, were the match of the night. And, you know, other people enjoyed Biggie and Roman Reigns. Understandably, that was a really good match as well. But from an emotional standpoint, emotional investment standpoint, Becky Charlotte, I think, stole the show. Um, they is it? Do I think that that match that they had at Survivor Series was their best match they ever had? No. I think I've seen better matches from them, but this was still really good. I mean, it's still really good, but the, the physicality... All that kind of stuff, I really enjoyed it as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was – look, Survivor Series has become a marketing machine. It's nothing more than trying to market a gimmick of Raw versus SmackDown. And management cares, so we're supposed to care. Yeah, Well, that's not how it works, and it hasn't worked for for a while now. So I I would – Hope that at some point they get the message that fans just don't care about this. And it's it's silly to do it so close to the draft as well. Um, just every, everything about it is just bad as far as the, the, the rivalry that is supposed to be generated out of nowhere every November. Because it's November, we're supposed to hate the color red and love the color blue and vice versa. It's, it's childish. And it's, it's really a bad marketing in my mind because you want to do something that the fans can grab onto. The fans that they maybe started the movement or maybe they're the ones who are getting hyped up for it. Nope. It's like WWE is the, are the only ones who are excited. Everything out, everybody outside of WWE is not excited for Raw versus SmackDown, just WWE themselves. Like only the employees, <laughs> only management is excited for this. That's what it seems like every November. So thank you, Kyle from Baltimore 
Um, I enjoyed our chat as well on the spaces of, uh, of Twitter. I did a little spaces uh, about a week ago on Twitter. It's a spaces on Twitter is like, it's like a little chat area. It's like a, it's being able to like bring people into like a conference call, so to speak. And anybody can listen and you can give access to other people to speak. It's kind of a cool deal. And I did it talking about the releases and Kyle, um, you know, was, was part of that. And so, um, thank you so much. And let's get to our next voicemail. I believe this is Justin. Justin looks like, uh, he has three voicemails, so I'm just going to stitch them all together and, uh, then we'll answer them all on the back end. And here we go. Hey man, this is Justin from Maryland. Um, I just had a, a couple of thoughts I want to talk about. First is, um, I just want to understand the logic behind a uh, WWE because what was the point in Seth Rollins winning that uh, ladder match for the uh, number one contender spot against Big E? Because it seems like that Big E, well, I mean, Austin Theory just got a title match. And then you have KO who's in the middle of this feud. And then it seems like that they're going towards a triple threat. So it's like, what was the purpose of having that five man or whatever that ladder match was, you know, for the uh, for that contract. And then you don't even have this. It's not even just Big E and Seth. You got you got Austin Theory. You got Kevin Owens, and then it's just it's just a mess. So, I mean, I don't really know where where to start. It's just like so. I guess we're going to get a triple threat. So should we just get the triple threat and then have Big E pin Owen, protect Seth, and then we get that number, that that one-on-one match? Because it just doesn't make sense. Like, what was the purpose of that uh, ladder match? And then I want to touch on Liv Morgan. I definitely agree that it's not – well, I don't have any belief that she's going to win because, yeah, she's getting pushed, but – I mean, she's not really winning matches. I don't know if anyone saw, but she lost to Bianca Belair on the Tribute to the Truth pay-per-view. And she didn't even last that long in the Survivor Series match. So it's just like, how can we believe that you're going to beat Becky Lynch, one of the top two women wrestlers in the country, um, definitely in the company, but, I mean, arguably in the whole world. So it's like, how do you even expect me to believe that Liv is going to win, you know, when she hasn't even been winning matches? So, um, another thing, um, Apollo Crews, I don't understand how you come out to an open challenge and then you don't even accept the challenge. Like, you just talk to Damian Priest, you don't even fight him. So, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why you don't just get on with the match. Apollo Crews isn't going to win. I feel like he's going to attack Damian Priest maybe next week, and then that's going to set up that match, which is stupid. I mean, he should have accepted the, uh, you know, the open challenge. Um, other than that, definitely looking forward to SmackDown to see if Roman Reigns goes next. Hopefully we find out who his next opponent is. So that's it, man. Uh, I know I said a lot of things that were negative, but, you know. Hey, man, it's Justin from Maryland. Um, I got cut off as I was trying to finish my voicemail. Um, what I was saying was that I know that, you know, I, I said a, a couple of negative points, but, I mean, I've been watching wrestling since 
I don't know, since what, 2000s? Like, it, it's been a long time. So it's like this raw, I'm just like thinking about, you know, like the logic behind some of these bookings, like, you know, it didn't make sense. But like I said, definitely looking forward to SmackDown, see where uh, Roman Reigns goes next. And um, I don't know who we can face at day one. I feel like, well, since Brock Lesnar's suspension is lifted, maybe they'll have Brock Lesnar, um, you know, face him. But I think I should save that for Rumble. I think, well, then again, I think Brock and the Rumble will be fun too. So I don't know. Maybe they'll have him go against him at day one, beat him, and they will move on. But that's it, man. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, man, it's Justin from Maryland again. Um, I just wanted to uh, correct you on something. Um, during your Raw review, you said that the crowd, um, at one point you said that the crowd was humming Sami Zayn's song. They were actually humming Seth Rollins' song. When he came out before his uh, his match with uh, Finn Balor, the crowd was humming his song, actually. And then when he came back out uh, for the main event, they were humming his song. So I'm not sure if the crowd is just feeling the song, or maybe they're getting behind Rollins. I mean, they should. I mean, he's doing good work. But, yeah, I just wanted to uh, point out there, the the, uh, the crowd was definitely humming Seth Rollins' song, and this song is actually kind of cool. Uh, I remember you said you didn't like it, but it's kind of entertaining to me. And then this whole entrance, he comes out dancing, just being just obnoxious, you know. It, it's definitely cool, so. Yeah, man, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to put that out there, so, yeah, man, thanks. And another thing, um, who's going to step, who's going to step up to uh, RK Bro, because we're not seeing really tag teams being used. Um, they, seems like they're in a feud with the Dirty Dogs, but, I mean, they just lost, like, two matches in a row, so, man, uh, tag team division looking pretty weak right now, so, we'll see what happens, but. That's it, man. I, I I don't know why I just randomly thought about that, but yeah. So, all right, man. Talk to you next time. Hey, Justin. So many points here, um, and I'll, I'll get through them as quickly as I can. But I'm glad you clarified that, and I did mention that earlier in the show. I, I, I don't know why I was thinking Sami Zayn. Like, I knew I meant, for some reason, Seth, and I pushed out Sami Zayn for my brain. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, they were singing Seth Rollins' song, and, <clears throat> you know, Seth Rollins' song is growing on me. I know I initially was not a fan of it, um, you know, however, I do think that there is a catchiness to it. It's a song that didn't immediately grasp me, but it is starting to pull me in. It's a very chantable song, and that's a key component, especially if you're a babyface. But in Seth's case, people are still going to chant it because it's just fun to fun to chant and fun to listen to. Um, and I know that Michael Gross, my co-host last night, was not a big fan of Seth Rollins's kind of cheeky, cheesy dancing and stuff. I actually... I don't hate it as much as he does. Like, I think that him coming out and dancing and being obnoxious is exactly who he is. So I think it's fun to watch, fun to see. Um, I, I think Seth Rollins, as I have said, is doing career work right now. I stand by that. Seth Rollins is doing career work right now, and I think it's only going to get better. So let's go through your points. Seth's contract win. What's the point of it? What was the purpose of it's just going to be a triple threat? A, a, again, an assumed triple threat at day one. Well, I think that you, it could go one of two ways. Number one, that Seth gets an opportunity where maybe he wouldn't have otherwise gotten an opportunity 
if he didn't have the contract. And number two, what if this contract does say that it's a one-on-one matchup? I don't know if that's ever been specified. If it is, then Seth just kind of happenstance tins way into this. And like you mentioned, the possibility of him facing Big E at the Royal Rumble one-on-one is also on deck. So he could say, yeah, if he loses just triple threat at day one, this proposed triple threat, again, we're like three steps ahead of ourselves, but say Big E retains in that triple threat. Seth could say, hey, hey, Big E, you didn't read the fine print. This contract earns me a one-on-one opportunity. So it's like Seth gets two kicks at the can. And then eventually Seth will become, I believe Seth will become WWE champion in January. I do believe that whether it's in the triple threat or fatal four way, or it's the a one-on-one match at the rumble with Big E, I do believe Seth will become champion. Yes. So I think that's, um, that's the point of it. It'll give Seth two kicks at the can. If not, he'll win this matchup in the triple threat. And then your question about the contract is irrelevant because he won the championship. Okay. Liv Morgan. She hasn't got a whole lot of victories, is your point. Like, why are we supposed to believe that she could beat Becky? Well, we're not supposed to believe she could beat Becky. Nobody right now believes she could beat Becky. And there's no evidence to suggest that she could beat Becky, as you pointed out with her loss record. Her win-loss record is god-awful. And yes, wins and losses don't matter as much in pro wrestling as they do other traditional sports. But the perception of Liv Morgan is that she can't win the big one. She get an occasional victory here and there. Ultimately, it'll fall flat. She'll go back to the mid to a um, lower card, pop her back up, up uh, not a peg or two, and then goes back down. And then, you know, it's kind of this ping pong with uh, Liv, and then she'll kind of live in the mediocrity of the women's division. That's been Liv's career. And I, I yeah, there's no evidence to suggest that she's going to win. And, you know, unless there's this massive movement for Liv over the next several months, um, I don't believe that she will ever win, um, at least against Becky Lynch. All right, uh, let's move on to your next point about Roman Reigns' next opponent. I think it's Jeff Hardy. Do I think Jeff's going to win? Of course not. Jeff's not going to win, but he's there as a nice stopgap between Roman and uh, Brock Lesnar, right? Roman Brock Lesnar is going to pick itself up, presumably at the Rumble or day one. You could have Jeff Hardy in between, between now and day one. Hell, they've got five weeks of television to, to fill, and they're not shy about giving away championship matches. You could easily have Jeff Hardy come on SmackDown and challenge Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship, and they give that away in like two weeks. I, I mean, that, that that's possible if they want day one being Roman and Brock. Because don't forget, Brock Lesnar, they did allude to his suspension being lifted or being eased, as well as the uh, story went around that Brock Lesnar purchased a ticket to the December 10th uh, uh, edition of SmackDown. So Brock Lesnar is about to return in a couple weeks. So that's really the message here. And I think Jeff Hardy is Roman's next opponent. So that'll be fun. Uh, RK bro, who are they going to face next? Well, yeah, they're with the dirty dogs, which doesn't mean much of anything because the dirty dogs don't have, you know, any mic time. We know what they're about. Dolph Ziggler screams every promo. They're really good professionals on the ring, but uh, emotional investment is not there. I think, I mean, you have the Viking Raiders out there. You, of course, you have the Street Profits, you know, like they they could work with a babyface team. I mean, they're running out of heel teams to work with. Or they just float around with uh, the Dirty Dogs for a while. Or they just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know. They just break up. So that's my guess. Viking Raiders, Street Profits. So that's, uh, that's really where I think they're going to live. Well, uh, Justin, thank you for your 
contribution as always to the show. It is much appreciated. You are always intelligent and bring up great points. So, and, and correct me when needed. I do appreciate, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Like I, if I screw up, like I want to know, I don't want this show to be garbage or, or as uh, crisis would say, <laughs> you know, the word. Okay. Let's get to our final voicemail for the evening. Oh, hey, Matt, it's Kevin here from Australia. It's been a very long time, hasn't it? Uh, busy life and a new role at my current employment has left me with hardly any time to do much other than work and family life. But anyway, I still watch the highlights of Raw and SmackDown religiously and listen to the podcast. Um, just wanted to say how much I enjoyed the uh, Becky Lynch-Charlotte match. I loved it. It was awesome. Two heels going at, at, at each other was awesome. Um, I know it's not your traditional type of match between a babyface and a heel, but these two both brought their heel characters forward, didn't they? Both trying to grab a win by holding onto the ropes. Both with the right wins when you could tell the other one was trying to be underhanded. I, I loved it. it it really bodes well for the future when they are on the same roster again. Hopefully it won't be soon because this has left us with something to hang on to for a while. So I loved it. I loved it. Um, really, that's really all I have to say. Um, other than that, I'm enjoying the Roman Reigns um, annual still, and I'm, I'm guessing Brock Lesnar will make a return soon for the next pay-per-view. Which I'm not sure is the next pay-per-view Royal Rumble. Uh, you'll have to excuse me. It's been a while and I'm struggling to remember pay-per-view dates all of a sudden. So anyway, um, hope you will. And again, thanks for the great podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time. You're staying well over there in Australia as things seem pretty crazy over there from a political standpoint. Uh, maybe you're not in that part of it, but if you are, hope all is. Uh, hope you're staying safe and, um, and 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 all is well. Now, again, yeah, the 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 the, the next pay per view, as you've probably gotten to this part of the podcast at the end of the show and heard, yeah, day one is next, January first. Then Royal Rumble. I don't have the date on that, but I would assume three weeks or so later, probably the final Sunday in January is the Royal Rumble, and then you get, of course, two pay per views in between Rumble and Mania. So we've got like four pay-per-views to go before we get to WrestleMania. But um, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed Becky and Charlotte. A lot of people did. Many people viewed it the match of the night. I think also what helped is that they had the freshest crowd possible. They opened the show with this. When, when you have the most energy available at the beginning of the show and it's already an emotionally charged matchup, you're going to get the best possible product you, that you can. And the fans add so much to any matchup if they're emotionally invested, and this was no exception. And it was interesting, as you said, Bevan, uh, heel versus heel. How often are we invested in that? But that goes to show you when something is perceived as real behind the scenes that maybe we weren't supposed to see or some extracurricular activities going on that we get emotionally invested regardless of if they're heel or not, and both heels rather. So that just speaks to how powerful emotional investment is. It is everything. It's everything in not just professional wrestling, but sports in general, you're not going to go buy and, or, or, uh, you know, the merchandise of your, say, a New York Giants 
football jersey if you don't give a damn if they win or lose. You know, emotional investment and and uh, money are closely tied together. So thank you so much, Bevan. It's great to hear from you, albeit a brief voicemail. Hopefully we can hear more from you in the, in the future if time allows it time allows for you, but I know that you are, you're pressed for time as I am. So thanks so much to Bevan. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed this week. It is a little shorter than usual, about a half hour shorter. Sometimes this show normally is going on two hours, but we're, we're just under an hour and a half as I speak. So, um, next week though, back in full force, DJ Kuzma will be back next week. And I I invite you, if you're a first time listener or a long time listener and you want to contribute, you can do so on Instagram at WWE underscore podcast. Um, I'm on TikTok at the WWE podcast. If you want to view me there and give us a a follow, I am on um, YouTube, although I'm still dabbling in that. But email real WWE podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send a voicemail in, call us at 518-952-0247 as everybody did Tonight, that's how you get the voicemail to us, and you have three minutes or less to uh, to join in. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much. Again, consider going on Patreon and supporting us there. You get an ad-free experience. You get a shout-out on the show, all that stuff, and going on Apple Podcasts as well. We have an ad-free button right on Apple Podcasts, and you get seven days free. So thank you, everybody. That concludes my recordings for the week. I'll be back on Sunday with a week in review with uh, a, a patron, Uncle Chris, who is going to be joining me for the very first time as a co-host. And I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you, everybody. And I'll talk to you next time.